Good morning, Be Free community here in Alton. Go ahead, start the wave, Heather, please. Uh, Heather McDonald from South Carolina, everyone. Uh, it is great to be here with you this morning. I am truly, truly honored. As uh, we have been moving on, as John mentioned, uh, for a few weeks in our series of The Gospel-Shaped Life, Ben asked me to come up and finish up here on this last day in September. Can you believe that? Last day in September? Woo! Tell you what. Uh, and I was super excited that it was 50 degrees out because that meant I could wear long sleeves and long pants and not sweat myself off the stage, which is phenomenal. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Rob Oblinas. Uh, I'm an elder here at our church in uh, Alton. And I also help lead worship, although not this morning. Thank you so much to our worship team um, for just truly leading us in worship. And I think what is cool is just, um, I, you may not know this, but I think you feel it. It's such a God thing, because you can feel it, that I've, I've been able to experience with this group here, that they worship God in and out of their everyday lives. Yeah, amen, right? And, and, it, comes, and it comes out up here. And we are led into worship because they worship the God of the universe. They're not here to, to just play or to sound good, but they truly want to worship God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I think we're drawn in as well. And so that's pretty exciting. And so I thank them for their service this morning. That allows me to come up here this morning and finish up this series on the gospel-shaped life, which I'm very excited about and truly honored. Um, for those of you who may have been here for the last few weeks, um, and saw Ben Rule. You'll know that he is our lead pastor here. Uh, and he is setting up to get ready for a series that we're going to do in the book of John, which is very, very exciting, I think, for our church. And it's going to be awesome uh, to, to have Ben uh, seeped in that for a few weeks now and then be able to bring that to us. So I'm looking forward to that, brother, a lot. Um, as I was asking God and talking about to him about, okay, how do I finish this up, God? Like, what, where, do I, where do I go with this? Because it's been so good, right? I mean, Ben has really shared with us what a gospel-shaped life looks like in our work, in our friendships, in our mission. And so what am, where, where am I going to go with it? And as I prayed and I thought about it, God really brought a, a passage to mind. And it's the one that I'd like to end our series with. And so I'm going to read it for you this morning, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll unpack it a little bit this morning. Sound good? Let's read together. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life 
peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life, excuse me, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, if by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much. Thank you that you have spoken these words to us, directly to us. These are your words, written down for us. You, a God who is big and mighty, have spoken to us directly. And I'm grateful. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to continue to understand what a gospel-shaped life looks like. God, that as I speak, that anything that is not from you would just fall away from people's minds and hearts. And anything that is from you would stick and be transformative in our lives. We thank you so much for a chance to gather, God, for the freedom that you've given us through Jesus Christ and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what do we see here? What's going on? Paul writes to the Romans about two lives. The life of the flesh and the life of the spirit. Uh, in verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. And so he's talking about two lives that are possible. But I'd like to start where he concludes, if I could, and then talk about those two lives. In verses 15, 16, and 17, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so Paul, in writing to the Romans, is saying, don't forget your identity. Don't forget 
that God created you to be his children as you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, now, I have a very dear friend who helped train me in looking at God's word. And he always says, let God's word interpret God's word. Let the word interpret the word. And so is this in isolation? Is this the only place that we see this here in Romans? And I would say no. So I'm going to give you one other example. I'm actually going to give it to you out of John, the first chapter. So a little foreshadowing here, a little highlight to the weeks ahead. In John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, it says this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And I think I skipped ahead from maybe what you have. Yep, so I'm going to start with the true light. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And I'm going to read from here because I have the other translation. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So in John, right, the Gospel of John, written about Jesus' life, it tells us that Jesus came so that we, as we put our faith in him, could remember that we were designed to be God's children. So in Romans, confirmed in the book of John, as we put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, it makes us children of God. That is the gospel. That is transformative. Ben has been talking about this for weeks now. And he started with it like five weeks ago. right? And then he talked about what that looks like when it comes to work when it comes to friendship, when it comes to mission. But I don't know about you, I can't really remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, let alone what Ben spoke about five weeks ago. And so as God was speaking to me, I realized that it might be good to just come again to remember where we live this out from. See, we cannot truly live out the gospel-shaped life unless we have a gospel shaped identity. I'll say that again. We cannot truly live out a gospel-shaped life unless we have a gospel-shaped identity. Why? Why? Well, it's right here. Right? It's right here. Right before, right, Paul makes his conclusion, he talks about the pull between two lives. Right? The life, the lives lived of the flesh in the lives of the Spirit. And if we don't live out our identity as God's children, heirs to the kingdom, mind you, then we'll fall into the trap of living of the flesh. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like in our, our lives? Um, let me talk about um, the, the flesh part first, <clears throat> and then we'll talk about the lives lived in the Spirit. See, when Paul's talking about lives lived the flesh, it, he's, he's saying that we get stuck in our sin, right? We get stuck in our sin, that we're forever entrenched in this 
this, we can be forever entrenched in this vicious cycle, right? Where we're, we're going along good and then all of a sudden something that we do reminds us, boy, we are not what God would have us be. And so we can never be good enough. Uh, in Psalm chapter 6, it's, it's not up here on the screen, but you can turn to it. It's just three verses, so I'll read them out loud for you. It's a Psalm of David. Psalm 6 says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Sounds like he's stuck, doesn't it? That down to his very core, somehow and in some way, he's been reminded that he, in this age and in this moment, is still a sinful man. That something that he's done and something that's come against him and his circumstances that are swirling are making his bones ache right down to his core. And so, to me, and maybe you would agree with me, it sounds like he's, he's stuck, right? He's seen his sin again, and he's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Don't take your wrath out on me. I know that you were the God, the creator of the universe, and you could, just like that, smite me out. But please do not. And so, that's what Paul is talking about, this life of the flesh, where something comes up and we're just like, oh my gosh, I'm reminded again that I'm sinful. But also, in that life of flesh, is that when we get reminded of something like that, we often are spurred on to do something about it, right? We're like, okay, all right, well, okay, I won't do that again. Like, let me, let me see, what, let me try, right? Let me try something. Um, let, me, let me recognize that, yes, Jesus, you died for me, um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll do better. I'll try, to, I'll try to make it right. And uh, I saw a picture of this a few weeks ago uh, during the summer when I actually had some time to watch Netflix. <laughs> um, well, I was watching a, a show. You may have heard of it. It's called Sherlock. Um, and it's a new take on the Sherlock Holmes story. And in the late episodes, um, Watson's wife, Mary, puts herself in harm's way and dies for Sherlock. And they have this great falling out, he and Watson, until one day, they're sitting right there in Baker Street, and he says this back to Watson. About Mary. In saving my life, she conferred a value on it. It is a currency I do not know how to spend. And I was just rocked by that. Actually, I wrote it down. And for weeks, I've been thinking about that statement. Because I think it gives us a great picture into what God has done for us. And if I could just change one word 
in that statement, from she to Jesus, it would read this. In saving my life, Jesus conferred a value on it. It is a currency I do not know how to spend. You see, we get stuck in our sin. We get up against our sin and we realize this is not how life is supposed to be. And so then we try to do something about it. We try to make it right. We try to do good. In, in, in good things that Ben has been talking about. We try to have good relationships. And we try to, to serve one another. And we try to, at our work, be good and have good um, interactions there. And then, and then, as we are followers of Christ, if we are, then we say, yeah, mission. Right? I'm going, to, I'm going to tell others about this good news that Jesus died for me. And so I'm going to do these things to try to spend the currency that Jesus has conferred on me. But that is not the gospel. That is not the gospel, brothers and sisters. That is not what God intended for us. It was never what he intended for us. See, what he intended was, yes, to send his son Jesus to die for us and then to raise him to new life. But for us to also experience that raising to new life. He says in Romans, Paul says, So then, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 17, last verse in Romans, or that, that section that we were looking at. 8.17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified in him. You see... We are God's children as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so we don't have to do anything. When we are confronted with our sin and something or our circumstances and something's not right and we recognize it's not right, our response should not be to do something better. Our response should be to hold tight to our gospel-shaped identity. Let's look at one more passage together that might drive this home. Let God speak to us about this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Catch this, though. 
right? Catch this in verse 10. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to read that one more time. Because if we stopped at verse 9, then we would continue to get stuck. Right? God's grace, yes. Free gift, yes. But then I sin again. Okay, I'm going to try to live good works. I'm going to try to have good relationships. I'm going to try to do better. No. It says in verse 10, for we are his worksmanships. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, when we put our faith in Christ, we are reconciled back to what God intended in the first place, that we are his, his sons and daughters. And so as you think about this gospel-shaped life, and maybe you have a chance, maybe you go back and, and listen again to what Ben talked about when it comes to our work and our friendships and our mission. All good things that God wants for us. You would remember that it's our gospel-shaped identity that allows us to do those things well. God wants those things for us. He wants us to do good works. He wants us to, to love others, serve others, do good work at our jobs, have great relationships here, be on mission for our community and our area and our region. But if we continue to do those things just on our own accord, then at some point we will be faced with the fact that we cannot do it on our own. And that can either be crushing into a cycle or it can be freeing because we remember our gospel-shaped identity, that we are God's children, his heirs to the kingdom. So I encourage you this week to consider your identity in Christ. If you've never put your faith in him, if you're here this morning and you're listening to these words and, and you've never put your faith in Christ and you're, you're, you're thinking, I don't know. I, I, would, uh, I would ask you to consider this, though, instead. I would ask you to consider what is keeping me from accepting this true identity? What is keeping me? Is there something that's keeping me from just accepting this free gift that will transform me into God's son and daughter here and now and then to live for eternity? And if you want to talk that over with someone, if you, if you like myself, you're kind of a, um, a thinker and then you have to talk about it, um, or if you're, if you're like my wife, if you want to talk out loud and then bounce some ideas off, totally, totally fine. You can see Ben. You can see me. You talk to anyone that you may have come here with, and we can help you walk that journey to a, a real new life. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here this morning and you have put your faith in his work of his death 
in resurrection. Know that you share in both of those. And ask God, God, how do you see me? Take time before God in a quiet moment to say, God, how do you see me? Remind me, please. And wait for his response. And it may not be instantaneous. But I would, I would encourage you to expectantly wait for that answer. And if it's not in the 30, <laughs> if it's not in the 30 seconds after you ask it, then maybe it will be in the next five minutes. Or maybe you need to go on and do something else. And it might be in your day where you see something happen. Or someone says something to you totally out of the blue. And you go, there it is. God, thank you. That's how you see me. And then I would encourage you to tell someone, to talk to somebody about it. Your home group, someone you know well, trusted friend. Share that good news with someone else. I'll, I'll close with this. Dear friends, we have a gospel-shaped identity. We are reconciled as children of the God of the universe when we put our faith in Christ. And in accepting this, we will live lives that are truly awe-inspiring and miraculous. I look forward to continuing to live this gospel-shaped life with you in the coming days. Will you pray with me? God, you are the only one who can transform us. We can do no good thing that earns us favor into your kingdom. You've given us a true, unattached gift of grace and reconciliation. God, I pray that this week you would speak to each one of us here. As we ask ourselves, how do you see me, Father? How do you see me, God, who created the universe, that you would answer? God, that we would expectantly wait on your response. You've told us in your word, God, you have told us that we are your sons and daughters. Please continue to remind us of what that looks like throughout the coming days. Let us live, God, out of that identity so that we may then, at our jobs, share the good news of this transformation. In our friendships, we continue to see Christ within one another. We continue to share the good news of Jesus so that other friends might have this transformation. You would allow us to go out, God, to our community to serve so that others may know the good news of this gospel transformation. We are grateful, God. So, so grateful. We worship you now in song and in word to just reflect back, God, our true gratefulness for what you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.